Well, welcome to another broadcast of Health Relationships 102 with your host, myself, Pastor Lewis Green. It's good to be with you today. Hope you all are feeling well as we enter into today's broadcast. Please uh, like us on our Facebook page at Help Relationships 102, remembering that there's no exclamation point at the other end of Help. So, we're going to talk about something today. We're going to actually open up something that I've rarely, if ever, heard talked about. I'm amazed that it hasn't because how so, what an integral part it plays in all of our lives, in every one of our lives. And <laughs> it has to do with the issue of shame. Now, some of you, when I say a word like that, you won't understand where I'm coming from and how what shame has to do with many of you. But it's, an, it's amazing when you actually trace it. Like I always say, you take a piece of fruit, you traces, you, it leads to a branch, that leads to a tree, that leads to a trunk, that leads to some roots. This shame issue is so integral in every one of us and that we are unaware of it. It reminds me of often when I'm counseling children, they are so out of touch with their feelings and with their emotions that they struggle in articulating how they're feeling. And so I found that more often than not, so much of the root of humanity and what we're dealing with and what we're struggling with, whether in our relationship with each other, whether in our relationship with God, with our relationships with ourselves. I want you to consider something. The Bible says that Lucifer is the accuser. In fact, his name translates as enemy and accuser. And so his job is to condemn, is to accuse and to condemn us to each other, us to God, and us to ourselves. Because there's something in condemnation that is debilitating to, to us in our relationships with each other, with the Father, and even ourselves. Now, I always laugh and say I would think that Satan's name would mean something more impressive like, you know, dark evil of the cosmos. But it simply means accuser or condemner. Because of the shame and the power of it and how debilitating it is, how crippling it is spiritually, and how it motivates and drives humanity in a way that I've not heard talked about before. Yet it's an integral part of who we are. And everything that we strive to do and are failing to do and are struggling with can be traced back to this major, major root. And so I'm going to qualify what we're talking about and where I'm coming from because some of you have not heard discussions or messages on this topic and many of us, because it is so part of our, our thought process, it's so integrated into the way we think it's the basis that motivates us and drives us, that we become scarcely aware that that's what we're dealing with, that we're running from shame, that we're running from embarrassment. You see, it's one of the reasons why we can be so easily controlled by the opinion of others. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, because this very issue is a major issue between, as I said a moment ago, not just me and God, but a husband and wife, and a, even a parent and children, and even me and myself. It'll determine, it'll dictate how I see myself. And if I'm able to think intelligibly, it, gives, it actually is the root of fear. It is the root of so many undiscussed issues, or it's the undiscussed root of so many issues 
that you'd be amazed that once you traced it, once you traced yourself and saw where you were coming from. And often so many folks try to deal with the branches of their problems. And everything traces back to this issue. And we're going to talk about how. And I want you to, to, um, to bear with me as we do this. I, I promise you this in the Lord, that if you can digest what's about to be opened up, that it will radically change your life. And so take your time and follow me, if you would, because some of you probably have not heard this before, and it may seem alien to you. But try to track with me here. And this particular message promises to radically change your life and to heal you and deliver you, where all your efforts of standing on the Word and standing in faith and, and all your willpower have failed. Let's lay the axe to the root of so many of our issues in this series. And we're going to talk about shame's power over humanity. Now watch. In order to understand this, we're going to have to go back to the beginning. Let's look at the beginning. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. And so they walked in nakedness together and not ashamed. And the Bible describes in Genesis that the Father would come down in the cool of the day and just hang out with Adam and Eve, just connect with them, just have open relationship. Now, I want to say this too now, watch. It did not say that God came down in His glory. When the glory of God revealed itself, the Bible would normally say that. But watch what happened here. When Lucifer accused God, and remember the Bible said that he led a third of the angels in revolt against God. And the Bible says that he slandered God. The same thing he does. He slandered and accused God. And so what this means is that Lucifer deceived a third of the angels. Okay? He deceived a third of the angels. He led a third of the angels in revolt against God. Now, when Lucifer slandered God, he basically lied on God. A third of the angels did not believe in God. And this is what offended God so much. That someone could come by and deceive and say the worst thing about God. And they didn't trust him enough to believe the best about him. Isn't that all that faith is? Is believing the best about someone? Remember, actually, it's going to happen again when Jesus comes and rules for a thousand years. And Satan's going to be thrown into a bottomless pit. The Bible said he's going to be loosed on those again to deceive. And he's going to deceive again. And to God, this is a great affront that the third would believe Lucifer's lie over him and who he's always been and who he's always presented himself to be would actually turn to make war and try to overthrow the Almighty. And this deeply offended God. And when you look at the heavens, Lucifer had a special place. He was the covering cherub. That means that his job was to cover the glory of God, because God's glory was so great, even other angels would be destroyed under his greatness. I would say it this way, I say, but God's glory, he can literally love you to death. He can kill you with kindness. And so Lucifer's job was to cover the glory of God. And all the heavens would be enlightened, would be lit up, not by the sun, but by God's glory. And it reminds me of what it would be like with a rock star or someone that's famous. As long as you're famous, people want to be around you and they don't necessarily 
know you. They, they like the idea of being close to your glory, being close to God, but don't really even know you. And it offended God so much that when he created the heavens and the earth and made man on the earth, he visited man apart from his glory. Now, what do I mean by that? The Bible talks about when God's glory is there. But apparently God's glory wasn't there. He made Adam and Eve naked and not ashamed. And God left his glory and revealed himself as a stripped-down model of nakedness, if you will. Now, follow me when I say this. You see, in heaven they were all crying his name, all worshiping at his glory. You could hear his voice thundered like the sound of many waters, and his presence was glorious, and he was like a rock star. But how many know that people that are famous, sometimes one of the downsides of that is that it's hard to tell who really loves you. Oh, they love you because of your greatness and your glory and your fame. But often there's an old song that says that when you're on the top, things go well. But when you're on the bottom, people aren't as interested in you. And the, the revolt apparently offended the Father so much that he did something different. He made man, and he made him naked, and he himself would walk apart from his glory, leave his glory in the throne room. And this is the other part of it. He would come down to the earth and have relationship. And this blew everyone away because they'd never seen God leave the throne room and come down to inhabit the praise of man. They'd never seen God leave the throne room and come down and be apart and talk to and connect with man. And all the everyone from everywhere, from the whole universe, came and worshipped and connected with him. But God did something different now. The revolt affected him so deeply, and it offended him so, he wanted to connect and have relationship with people from on a heart-to-heart -heart basis. Someone that knew him. Not someone that loved the idea of being in his glory and, and loved the idea of his greatness because he was a, a rock star in heaven, as it were, <laughs> you know. He wanted to be connected with and loved with himself. And so he made Adam and Eve naked, and he presented himself to them in, in his nakedness in the sense that he did not come in his glory. And so he was looking for something to relate on an intimate heart-to-heart -heart basis. That's why you and I are so special to God. Because we were created for the exclusive purpose of having an intimate relationship with God. Now, the closest thing that was that way in heaven was Lucifer. And he just covered the glory. But God was inviting us into his heart to have an intimate relationship. And it blew everyone away. And it was the reason that Lucifer became our enemy before we even knew he existed. He saw the Father come down from the throne room and come down to be with man. Almost as if he were carrying on. And this offended Lucifer. Well, actually... I imagine it offended all of the angels. I imagine it was a very... They didn't understand it. And even when man fell, God came after him. Okay? And it was, there was a reason for that because we were created for this. Let's look at what happened now. So Adam eats the fruit. God says, you can eat of everything in the garden, but of this tree, don't eat. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, I believe, though, before we get too heavily into this, that ultimately... The Lord had intended that we eat the fruit when we were mature enough. You see, thanks to Lucifer, evil and sin was introduced 
into creation. And the angels that revolted against them did not understand what sin was. I believe God, at an appointed time, when humanity was ready, that we were going to eat of the fruit so that we would learn about sin through revelation and not experimentation or impartation or imputation. And so God intended that that tree be there for an appointed time. But what happened was, when Adam ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God, remember, he wants to learn about good and evil by revelation. When he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, at first they were naked and not ashamed. But they ate the fruit in disobedience. And so their conscience awakened in disobedience. They awakened in condemnation. They awakened in shame. Their conscience, their sense of right or wrong awakened while they were in the wrong. The tree was the knowledge of good and evil, but because they ate it in disobedience, evil was greatly magnified. Now it was good and evil! You see, good and evil! Or evil and good. And so we became evil conscious. We became self-conscious. We became sin-conscious. And from that sin came our shame, the birthing of shame, the birthing of the very thing, the very force that would drive humanity, that would drive a wedge between us and God, us and each other, and even us and ourselves. Oh, shame is a force to be reckoned with, that the whole of humanity has we spend the whole of our lives running away from it, not understanding what we're running from, not understanding why we're reacting the way we do to what we do, not understanding why we think the way we think. It is the heart of all things. It is the impetus that drives us in the directions of our lives, in the directions of sin and destruction. See, we became self-conscious, self-absorbed, and shame begin to rule, begin to sit on the throne of our lives. Now, given this, that Satan's name means accuser. <laughs> and what happens is when you're accused, he has the power to make you ashamed. He condemns you and has the power to make you feel that thing of shame. As of that point, we were no longer open and intimate and vulnerable. Adam and Eve hid them, their nakedness, of which they were now ashamed. They hid it in leaves. They hid from each other. They covered their nakedness. Now something was wrong with them. They didn't know what. It was something was wrong. Remember, their conscience awakened in the wrong. So now everything is wrong. And they're fighting feelings of shame, fighting the force of shame, an unsuccessful fight. And so we covered ourselves in leaves. Adam and Eve covered themselves in leaves to hide their shame from each other, to hide their nakedness from one another. And when God came at the appointed time to hang out with them and to connect with them and to relate to them in the garden, they hid from God in the bushes. And so guilt had driven their shame and caused them to hide so God arrived on the scene and began to engage Adam. Now watch what happened now. God began to ask Adam where he was. Now God wasn't, he didn't mean geographically. He knew exactly where Adam was geographically. He was taking a measure of the damage that was done now. And if you read the account, God asked Adam a simple question. And he said, he asked him where he was. And he said, we were naked and we hid. And then God said, 
well, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? And when you listen to Adam's response, he went off. He kind of came off on God. He said, it was that woman that you gave me. <laughs> you know, God didn't ask him all that. He didn't have to come off on God. He was trying to take a measure of Adam to see if they could still have a relationship, to see if Adam could come out and admit and acknowledge what happened. And so he asked him what was, in effect, a leading question. He asked him, he says, who told you that you were naked? Um, did you eat from the tree? He wanted Adam to acknowledge what he had done. And I often wonder, had Adam acknowledged what he'd done, what would have happened? What would have happened would the Lord have been able to work with Adam in some shape or fashion? But what happens is, because of the shame in Adam's life, God was there naked, ready for an intimate relationship with man. But Adam and Eve were now covered up and hiding from him. And then when God tried to push it or touch it and to try to find Adam, where are you? Try to find Adam, Adam came off on him. And that's the thing about shame. It kept Adam from being naked and intimate and open with God. And from that day until this, it's one of the reasons why humanity struggles with intimacy. They have to be worthy of acceptance, worthy of respect, worthy of love. It's one of the reasons why we have a difficult time apologizing and acknowledging that we're wrong because we're running from the shame of being wrong. Once we ate of the tree, it's not a matter of good and evil, it's good and evil. And that's why we more discipline our kids for what they did wrong and we don't as much reward them for what they do right. We're sin conscious, we're evil conscious because we awaken, our conscience awakened in sin, in disobedience. And so that shame that caused us to see everything slanted and colored through darkness and negativity, now we see the glass is half empty. It actually, that perception broke our relationship with God. The Father was there, naked, and ready to meet us in our nakedness, in a heart-to-heart -heart intimacy. God desires intimacy. God is an intimate God, and He created us to meet Him in that place. But because of the shame, we could not. We begin to hide from him, hide from each other, and hide from ourselves. We begin to take, we begin to clothe ourselves. And that's why even now it motivates us. We clothe ourselves with success. We clothe ourselves with our gifts. We clothe ourselves with our talents. We clothe ourselves with our education. We clothe ourselves, anything that we can look at ourselves and be proud of. You see, because we're ashamed, now we strive to be proud of ourselves. We want to cover our shame with our pride, which leads into one of the key figures in the spirit of the world is the, the lust of flesh, lust of flesh, and the pride of life. We try to offset our shame. We try to offset our shame with our pride. We need something that we can be proud of. Do clothes make the man? This interferes in all of our relationships because I'm so busy trying to clothe myself. I'm so busy trying to honor myself. The Bible says, Jesus says, they that lift themselves up will be abased. And we are lifting ourselves up, hiding from shame. And I wish I had time because we're going to probably pick up, definitely going to pick up on this tomorrow. But this is an integral part of all of our lives. Because of our shame, we're running from that feeling of shame. The reason we cover ourselves up from each other, I cannot look shameful in your eyes. If you look at me with disgust, or you look at me and you see my faults and acknowledge my wrong, I give you the power to make me feel ashamed, to make me feel embarrassed, to make me feel low. And that's why you don't come out. A lot of folks will struggle in saying, I'm sorry. 
Because of this, a lot of folks will struggle in coming out and acknowledging they're wrong. And it unravels relationships. Actually, it destabilizes them because of a layer upon layer upon sins that have been offensive, that have not been forgiven. They're between you like bricks in a wall. And they undermine the relationship. And in time, the whole relationship is destroyed. It, because of an inability to be naked. And we can't be naked anymore because we're ashamed. And that feeling of shame wasn't there before. But now we will not allow, give anyone else the power to make us ashamed. You know what I'm talking about. You see, if I acknowledge my faults to you, and if I acknowledge my issues to you, I give you the power. I, I give you the power to look at me as if I'm wrong, or to make me feel bad, or to make me feel ashamed. And that's why so many of us are so defensive. That's what Adam was. God asked Adam a simple question. Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? And Adam went off and became defensive. And it's why we tend to be defensive. All these characteristics of defensiveness and the inability to apologize and be open and to be intimate. And now put all this together, when you come together in relationship, we're covering ourselves still. Even when we're walking with God, we cover ourselves with obedience now. We don't feel like we have the right to ask him for anything if we're doing something wrong. We don't feel like that he loves us unless we're living right. And the Bible said we were yet sinners. God loved us. It's one of the reasons also why we have a difficult time receiving his love. Because our conscience, we know the issues that are in our lives. We know we're measuring ourselves by the shame. And that's one of the reasons why the Father gave us the name of Jesus. Because it's by his righteousness and not mine. Okay? And so the Lord desires to have a relationship with us. But I can't not only have a relationship with God, I, I can't have a relationship, we can't have a relationship with each other, I can barely have a decent one with myself, you see. And so I clothe myself with things that I'm good at. I exalt myself. But what happens, the Bible says that when you exalt yourself, you're brought low. See, if you exalt yourself to try to cover your weaknesses with pride or something you could be proud of, whether it be your gifts and your abilities, the Bible says you're brought low. And this is what goes on in relationships. This extends well beyond relationships and to the rest of your life, but it really shows itself in relationships. If I have to have something I can be proud of, or, okay, I know that I bring what I bring to the table. I, maybe you bring beauty. Maybe I bring manliness. Maybe I bring money. Maybe you bring ability to cook. And we begin to measure ourselves and to take pride in what we can do because we have to feel worthy of love. We can't just receive and accept love anymore because of the shame. And so then it creates an insecurity where uh, both parties are always insecure, wondering if they're enough, and they can't receive God's unconditional love. God sent his grace, but we have a difficult time walking in it and accepting love because we don't feel worthy of love. And in order to feel worthy of love, we have to clothe ourselves with something that we're good at. Okay, you know something? I have a nice house that I bring to the table. I have a good education. I have, I have great talent. I'm, I'm charismatic. I'm a, I have a great ministry. I have a, you know, and we begin to try to cover ourselves in everything that we do. Even in interviews, we begin to describe our clothing to the, why should we hire you here? And it's become who we are. And it's kept us from experiencing love and intimacy. And we're, we're searching for it. And so we go about trying to earn it trying to earn it with our clothes. And it's amazing. Our time is getting past us, but this spans 
into so many areas of our life. In fact, it spans into most every area of our lives. It's the reason why a man and woman can come together and not have a good relationship. It's the reason that we have love for a short period of time or passion and then love dies. It's the reason that we don't appreciate and love our kids until after they're gone. We're so preoccupied in everything that we think, say, and do with the covering of our shame. And it's the reason we find God in religion instead of relationship. We don't understand what true relationship is because we're bound up in religion. We're bound up in religion trying to cover ourselves to be worthy of God's acceptance, to be worthy of His grace. And it is debilitating. Satan means accuser or condemner, so he's cracking the whip. And we live our lives with him cracking the whip on our back that interferes in every facet and in every part of our relationship with God, with each other, and with our Sales. And so God wants us to be aware of what's happening and where we are. That's why he's not interested in me trying to earn his acceptance. He wants me to accept his acceptance, but I can't if the shame is there. He gave us the means to be free from the shame by the name of Jesus. That's why I come to him, Father, in the name of Jesus. He paid for my guilt and shame. He paid the price for my guilt and shame. So now I don't come to him on my shame-based righteousness, but I come to him in the name of Jesus. He wants me to turn and face the very shame that I've always run from. He wants me to turn and face it in the name of Jesus. Not looking at my guilt. Remember, Satan, the accuser, will attempt to cause me to focus on my shame so that I either run from it or hide from it. But God is saying that I want you to rather focus on the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats weren't enough to cleanse our conscience of dead work, to cleanse us of the shame. But the name of Jesus is, the Bible says, that he endured the cross, despising its shame. He suffered the shame of my rejection. He suffered the shame of my failure. So that now by putting my faith in him, God doesn't want me to run from it. He doesn't want me to fight it or to flee from it. He wants wants me to confess it and he will in fact heal me and deliver me of that shame. Other than that, I'm not only not going to have a relationship with God or myself, but with my significant other. That shame must be faced in the name of Jesus. I can't be caught running or I'll be covering myself and God will be there in his nakedness ready for relationship. But I'll be so busy hiding, trying to be good on my own, trying to depend upon my gifts and that which I'm good at that I can never enter into any kind of relationship, whether with God or man or even me. As long as I don't face my guilt, then I will be a slave to it. I can't underscore enough that there's something that happens when I go to the Father and I confess my sins. He cleanses me. The Bible says that when I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. There's a supernatural cleansing that takes place when I bring my guilt and shame to Him. And it doesn't matter how many times I do it. One of the apostles asked Jesus, if someone sinned against you seven times, should you forgive them? He said, 
It should be 70 times 7. That's what he does with us. He forgives us and cleanses us of the shame. Face your shame. Stop trying to depend upon how good you are. Stop trying to depend upon how gifted you are. God wants you to be dependent upon his grace that's given freely. His grace is his power. The Bible says his grace is made perfect for his strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect when you confess your shame. He forgives you and cleanses you and empowers you to move forward. Amen. So let's not be afraid to confess our guilt or shame. The Bible also says to confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. It's the guilt and the shame that's locking that fault in its place. Therefore, confess it to him and to each other and be healed. And if the other person tries to one-up on you and tries to make you feel ashamed, you stop and say, no, brother, no, sister. I already confessed that before God and for you. You're not going to use it against me. God wants you free. Our time has gotten past I want you to remember to please like us on our Facebook page. And until the next time, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This is Pastor Lewis Green wishing you good afternoon and God bless.